Hello, everyone, um, and welcome to a metagame breakdown for Grand Prix Sao Paulo. Um, this video is partially a consolation prize for the fact that we took so long to get the uh, GP recap from last one out, and also the fact that this GP is just straight up too big for Dodger to do, do the usual deck-by-deck deck list breakdown of the Grand Prix. Um, too goddamn big, man. 52 players is insane. <laughs> yeah, the 44 players one was two hours, and I started that at 12.30 a.m., uh, oh, that sounds so, miserable. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't about to do this one with even more players. I'm gonna be real. <laughs> so, let's talk a little bit about the Grand Prix breakdown. So, yeah. Lucino made this really amazing uh, pie chart um, mm -hmm. that shows uh, how many people are on various different archetypes. Yeah, if you want um, to follow along, since this is uh, podcast form, uh, you can go to MSCM Media on the Discord. And I'll actually um, link it in, in the show notes of this um, oh, of this podcast. Okay. So there's also a link in the show notes. Sweet. Yeah. Um, um, so by far the biggest deck of this GP is uh, Black Red Burn, um, which is making up uh, almost 12% of the GP, which, you know, in a normal GP, that's like two people. In this GP, we have six people on Black Red Burn, and I think all of them are on the exact same 75, or at least something damn near close to it. I think Caillou has a slightly different version. Yeah. Um, so one of the big reasons for Black Red Burn being so prevalent in this GP is because we had a lot of people decide, close to the last minute, I want to play in this GP, just give me whatever the most powerful aggro deck in the format is. Um, and I was on deck to continue to shoot them my uh, Black Red Burn list. Um, so... After yeah. the last GP, I looked at Chillbrain's list. I was like, this deck is seems absurdly powerful, but it just has like some mana base issues, and I don't agree with the sideboard and like a couple little tweaks like that. So I made those tweaks. I wrote up a sideboard guide and I sent it to I can't remember who's the per first person I sent it to. Um, but someone asked me for that. I sent them, you know, a full deck breakdown and stuff. And then mm -hmm. more and more people just kept joining and kept sending it off. So <laughs> now we have to account for this many burn pilots in this GP. I think um, something that people don't necessarily realize is just how much, like, you and I, but mostly you, dictate the metagame. Um, <laughs> GP to GP. Like, for instance, in GP Rome, I think a good, like, half of the lists probably came from my 20 Brews article, and most of those were your decks. So, like, I think people people generally will... Um, if they don't know what to build or they don't have an idea, they'll they'll take a deck list that exists that they like and they'll play it. Um, or they'll ask, "Hey, what's an easy deck? I'm a new player," and then we give them this easy deck, right? So like, that's not a bad thing. Um, it's just kind of how it works for the most part. Yeah. Um, the lesson here is very much The lesson here is very much not don't net deck. Yeah, the yeah. net decking works great. Um, highly recommend it. Um, especially just as a starting point. Like, I think one of the best ways to get into any format, really, is just play a bunch of decks that you didn't build. Just, like, play decks that are recognized as good decks. Don't worry too much about, um, you know, like, trying to learn every single card in the format to make, uh, you know, top-tier decks. Just play good decks, and then figure out which ones match your playstyle, and then start tuning those lists. Or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, combi mix and matching ideas, saying, ooh, I really loved getting to play with Plasma Addict, but I also really liked getting to play with Thunder Roads. So let's put those together. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's like a really healthy approach to format, uh, like, you know, learning a format. Um, with 20 people on aggro or various shades of burn, um, that definitely feels like it's kind of defining the format. Like yeah. in, in most GPs, 20 people on aggro or burn would basically be 100% of the GP. Uh, damn near close. <laughs> It's under 40% here. It's 38% of this GP. Um, and the next biggest chunk of the uh, GP is mid-range with Mardu Dawson leading the pack. So, Dodger, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, this brainchild of yours? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> um, literally, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to play. And I was just typing in some random stat decks commands, like, unrelated to this. Um, and I was like, hey, what's what's got the lowest win rate in El Mare? And it was freaking Lord Rickard Dawson at 0 and 10. And I was <laughs> like, man, that ain't right. Like, I gotta fix that shit. So I was like, okay, I'm bringing Dawson. 
um, to the GP. I ended up building a kind of just straight Mardu list built around it. Um, I had a couple different variations that I tried, um, one of which was the spicier Concord version that actually had Idyllic Odyssey and Imperial Confidant. Um, mm. But that one felt a little too cute, so I ended up just um, pushing to no-nonsense, uh, ran an 8-pack of discard spells that also produce artifacts. Um, I ran some other Planeswalkers, like Setosan and Toddy, and then have separate tutor packages for both of them. And then fill out the rest of the deck with just like good removal spells. Um, I ran it in a league, went five zero, and then some. Uh, what, should, what should I call them? Bottom feeders uh, decided to copy the list. <laughs> uh, some net deckers, I believe we would have yeah. referred to them. <laughs> uh, so I think. Uh, well, actually, the only person who who net decked the league list was Flashcat. Um, Correct. I think Oshni, who's on who's on Mardu Dawson, actually played my old untuned variant last GP, um, and I think yeah. they're on it once again, possibly with they, some um, changes. I'm not sure. Yeah, they, they ended up tuning it a fair uh, bit. So they uh, have they have three performers main, and they lean to the no rest a little bit more. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's just more removal, less less planeswalkers, um, and uh, and then Egg also. Like kind of glommed on to me because he thought the list was sweet. So we're running the. Well, we worked on the exact final tuning together. Um, so those are the four people who are on the deck. Um, yeah, you you were the guys that made me have to wait until eleven fifty eight before I could start importing deck lists um, from the, <laughs> the Dropbox. That's X fault, not mine. I <laughs> I tried to get him to start working with me on earlier, but uh, so you know who to flame. Um, I think that the deck is pretty well positioned. Um, for a mid-range deck, it beats up control surprisingly hard because if you resolve Dawson and it isn't it isn't uh, oh, removed, yeah. it's going to uh, take a card from their hand every single turn. Against aggro, you can uh, run it out and like immediately lightning helix something. Um, so it's very versatile. Uh, Setosan and Toddy are also very versatile cards that usually should on aggro as well. Um, and then, like, besides that, so I feel I feel like the deck has very much a game against everything. Um, I played it against Burn today, and that I thought it should be a pretty much a free win, but turns out Burn is a lot more efficient than I remember it being. Um, yep. Yeah. So I got kind of steamrolled um, in the two games that I lost. So that was pretty sad. But um, congrats to Times for winning that one, and. Uh, I think I think this deck can definitely pull a top eight still. I just gotta go three zero from here. Yep. Um, so moving on to our next biggest section, we have combo. Um, we had two main. So usually in GPS, um, I feel like the trend is you either have like four people on the exact same combo deck because it's so broken and people are aware of it, or just like kind of a really thin spread of people on a bunch of different. Uh, combo nonsense builds. Yeah. Um, we had two people on a deck called uh, Heggy Breggy. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Heggy Bregfeg. Um, Heggy Bregfeg. <laughs> which uh, is um, a hard the naming origin. Yeah, please do. <laughs> okay, so uh, basically the origin is um, the deck is, was created by McGuffin, who played it in a league, went 4 1, or maybe 5 0, I forget. Um, it's an eggs style deck, like referring to the old combo deck eggs, where it's actually it's not it's not even really an egg style deck. It's, it's basically it's just not egg style. Okay, I don't I don't know then. It, it's just I don't know I don't know why the deck's called can, party breakfast. That. It used cool. to be called party breakfast, and then uh, uh, McGuffin was looking for a spicier name, so people were suggesting various breakfast related puns. I think my personal favorite was Egg McGuffin. I don't know why he didn't mm, that one. But he ended up going with Heggy Bregfeg. So I guess yeah. that's the deck's name now. <laughs> I believe Ivy suggested. And there's like there's a couple layers. Um old combo naming conventions were all based on breakfasts. Right. Um, right. That's why Cephalid Breakfast is a deck name. That's what Cheerios is, like uh Cocoa Pebbles, Tricks, like it goes really deep. Also um, eggs. Although that one had Literally cards that were named Egg in the deck, so that was a little... Yeah. Yeah. There's also, um, apparently, Whoops All Spells used to be called Breakfast Burrito. Um, <laughs> like, 
if if you actually start looking to it, magic name yeah. deck names have always been stupid. What happens um, to magic deck names being funny and like see those like, are the two perspectives. Like, the colors and the name of the of the archetype. Like I don't know. The last time we actually got a cool new deck name was Aristocrats. And now that's like a pop like just a thing that everyone talks about, but like we haven't gotten anything like that since then. And that was what, like twenty thirteen? Copycat which was the Sahili Thaladar Guardian deck, like, that deck was mostly referred to as Copycat. I didn't hear, like, I don't yeah. know what official cover did, but I didn't really hear it as, like, Jeskai Sahili or whatever. Yeah, they call it Jeskai Sahili on, on broadcast. I'm like, come on, guys. Really? Like, that's, just, that's bullshit. Don't just yeah. erase all of your... Like, don't just erase all of the character. I don't know. That's I what... do... It's, it gets really complicated because I think on the one hand... Um, Clarity is important, right? Yeah. So you need to strike a balance. But, but I, I do, do enjoy that in MSEM, we get a lot of pretty hilarious deck names. I think the ideal way to do it is to have the deck's nickname and then afterwards, either in parentheses or in brackets, a description of the summary. Yeah. So, like, Heggy Breakfeg um, in like uh, brackets afterwards, Jund Aristocrats or whatever. Yeah. Or like um, Miner's Barracks combo or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the best of all possible worlds. But um, despite that deck having probably the best name in this GP, um, it is not the combo deck that I am most uh, worried slash excited about this GP. Uh, that honor goes to Crazy Train. Uh, so Crazy Train is a deck that uh, Crush Castles <laughs> has been repping for like the past six months um, through through thick and thin. I think since the release of Alara. Of um, was on filigree lotus versions yeah. initially. Is crazy um, really good? That's that's the big question. Yeah. It's like it's been it's it's always been there, and I think it's been like a perennial X two finisher, more or less. Yeah. But even like so, there have been metas where it just is straight up terrible because everyone's running Singularity's grasp and they're seventy five. Um, and there have been metas where it's. Like, nobody's running Singularity's Grasp, and it still has failed to show up. But I think the biggest card in that deck that's made it more viable is probably Last Passage. 100%. Um, that as, it as, well as, as well as some good innovations that have been made. Um, by yeah, so Last Passage was a really cool add for this deck because it's a mana ritual that also allows you to get rid of a lot of cards that are just kind of awful. Um, yeah. So you used to run this really clumsy package of, you know, a vehicle you could uh, crew via tapping artifacts and Forge Master's um, uh, altar as your way of kind of like getting wins once you had your engine going. Um, and last passage meant you could cut all those slash move those to the sideboard. And instead, you just got to say, cool, my win condition is I'm going to draw my deck. Yeah. And that's that's a viable win condition. Um Along with giving you three free rummages and untapping all your artifacts, so potentially being free or even mana positive. And also untapping your warded tomes to potentially draw you extra cards. Yeah, like, super insane. I think, I think the other um, major innovation is something that's in Eunice's deck, but not in Crush Castles, which is um, the addition of Stormwake, which mm -hmm. uh, generally lets you play your Chalice, or your Glistening Chalice on turn one, um, and lets you basically go off a turn earlier. Um, while also... So, cantrip. I think Eunice's deck is a really good... Um, a really solid testament to how powerful innovation and having multiple minds working on the same deck is. Mm -hmm. um, I know Eunice's, Eunice found this deck uh, or basically brewed his own version of the deck, mm -hmm. not knowing that Crazy Train existed. Um, and I pointed uh, him towards Crazy Train after like his first league run with it, um, which I believe he called it Podlight, but more epic, and went four yeah. <laughs> one with it. Um, despite the because I think Yunus didn't know what Podlight was um, and just do it as a combo deck, um, which is really funny. Uh, but so that originalist got tinkered with and iterated on, and in particular, Yunus uh, talked to insert name, who is I think just kind of one of the um, one of the super villains of the format is it's, how it's, I view insert name. Probably the deck builder that I'm the most terrified of these days. Yeah. Um, insert name just knows all of the dirty little secrets in the format and the, like, you know, here's the turn three kills the council wouldn't want you to know about. 
is very <laughs> open about it, uh, yeah. which I appreciate. Which I appreciate yeah. yeah. Yeah, but definitely pointed units towards Stormwake, and Stormwake in this deck is actually insane. Yeah. Um, Eunice also found Imperial Coins, which means you can go off. It's effectively a mana ritual um, once you have a any discount on it, since it's a one-mana artifact that when it enters adds one mana of any color. So if you have a hell, uh, not Hellbent Speed, but if you have a Glistening Chalice active or a Enlightened Sigil active, it's, it's effectively a Lotus Petal. Um, and that's, you know, that's one of the key things about this deck that makes it a more terrifying combo deck than a lot of the ones we've seen, especially recently in MSCM. Mm. Uh, I played against it round one on Rug Tempo, and I interacted turn one, turn two, and turn three, and I died. Um, <laughs> which doesn't really happen. I countered the, uh, the turn one Glistening Chalice off of Stormwake, and then turn two, I countered a, um... I can't remember what it was. It was like another, I think I countered one Hellbent Speed, and then turn three, I countered a Flawless Counterfeit that was going to copy a Elighten Sigil, not knowing there was a Ride the Storm behind it. Um, oh, man. Yeah, so, uh, that just kind of happened. Um, I ended up winning that match, but it was fairly close, and uh, Eunice kind of bricked game three. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, going into round uh, two, you just steamrolled the second tempo deck that he faced up against. <laughs> so it's one of those things where on paper, tempo should be this deck's arch nemesis. And this deck gave two of the strongest tempo decks in the format, um, or one of the, the strongest tempo decks for the format and a virgin Hersey polluted um, a run for their money. <laughs> um, so I, I think this deck is one to keep an eye on, but uh, I also wouldn't get too excited about this list because... Um, we are changing Stormwake end of the next month. Greenhand's about to leave the format, and there's probably more changes for this deck coming around the corner. So yeah. um, it's doing. I, I think in general, when you get like consistent turn three wins um, or like combo decks that win through significant interaction, that kind of those are kind of magic words. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It's one of those things where if this was modern and people were potentially picking up Mox Opals for this deck, I would tell them. This is a bad idea. You should not drop money on this. <laughs> it's, it's digital cardboard, so really, if you want to play this for the rest of this month, if that's what you know, that's your heart's uh, desire, go for it. Um, yeah. I generally don't like uh, investigating decks that I think won't be legal for long, but um, I certainly wouldn't fault anyone for that. Yeah. So, moving on from combo, we had a very small showing of control players, and I think that's because most of our control players aren't on tempo or mid-range this gp yeah yeah I mean, that's um, how it's been for a while i think it, uh from my understanding there used to be like a like group of hardcore control players um which you were usually among those and egg was usually among people um, yeah so the control football was basically like myself egg hersey cyber and gateways yeah and now like a couple of you have moved on to greener um literally in in your case. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, most of my best control decks are green. Excuse me. <laughs> um yeah, uh, well I think that um it's nice that there's always gonna be some people who are gonna play control. Um I think control is definitely it's definitely still good. Um but you need to you need to have a plan for like how your deck is going to stop various different opponents from doing things because as MSCM develops, like your opponent's linear decks are just going to get better and better because people are going to figure out how to play them. So you as a control player need to not only come prepared in deck building with um, a suite of answers that can handle multiple different kinds of threats, but you also need to be able to, in the, in the games, actually use those answers correctly. So um, I, I know people always like, kind of overblow like how big brain control is to play but like when you're when you're running control into into a metagame like mcm it's really mostly about just having a plan and like having reps i would say and just like it, it's more it's more about um knowledge than it is about understanding if mm. that makes any sense whereas linear decks are more about understanding than about knowledge um yeah i mean i definitely think that one of the strengths 
like when I list off those members of the like control cabal, other than gateways, those are mostly like founding members of the MSEM format and me. It's like yeah. all council members. It's people who have, you know, dedicated years of their life to this format, which means all of us have a pretty good sense of what our opponents can do on various different decks and, you know, what the key spells to be afraid of are. Um, I also hate the, you know, oh, control is so big brain to play because usually when I'm playing control, I'm making fewer decisions than I'm making on aggro decks because it's just, well, you answer the things that kill you and you don't bother answering the things that don't kill you. Yeah. Um, well, and it's also like, it kind of goes hand in hand with the, oh, aggro is so easy to play. Yeah. Narrative, which is like, Sometimes you get aggro hands that play themselves, but that's probably not even a majority of them. Yeah, I mean... And also your individual decisions matter a lot more playing aggro. I was going to say, when you have, like, probably on the order of 7 to 10 decisions to make in a given game, because if you're making any more decisions than that, you've lost the game, um, you need to make every single one of those decisions right. Whereas as control players you are more likely to be able to make a wrong decision at some point and bail yourself out later. Um, and yeah. it's going to hurt. In some amount of time, you're not going to bail yourself out, but you have more whoops potential. Um, the other thing yeah, is, I would I, say, for I, most aggro decks, for most aggro decks, I would say the first, like, 16 points of damage are easy. Um, <laughs> and that's something that you'll consistently see, is a lot of aggro players will, like, you know, be so close to killing someone, and then they come away thinking... Ah, uh, if my you know, my opponent got lucky, if they just didn't have that like last removal spell or whatever, I had them. But really, when you you know watch a replay, you know, oh, that was a moment where you didn't cast that one spell that turn, or like you know you prioritized this thing, or you missed that attack, or whatever. You forgot that trigger. It's like oh, I think, um, I think that like the fact that Burn hasn't top aided, um, in a GP in the last like three months is somewhat telling. I would be surprised if that didn't happen this GP, because I feel like the current burn lists are so powerful, um, and there's also so many of them, that, like, most of the time, I think you said this earlier today when we were talking about this, most of the time when a burn deck loses, it's due to player error. Yeah. Um, And, like, I don't know. It It feels like, to me, like, burn is probably the best deck in the format right now. Um, And I would maybe crazy Training's better. I'm not sure, but like, I would I would put my money on on a burn deck taking down the GP right now if I had uh, if I was a betting man. A really important thing to remember about burn and crazy train is crazy train can't beat a Rakiri dissonant. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> very, very true. Uh, burn burn will not out goldfish uh, crazy train, but if it gets a um, Rakiri dissonant play or you know anything similar, yeah, uh, crazy train dies. <laughs> so. Um, if I had to bet on that matchup, I would struggle to bet against Burn. Um, yeah, that's yeah, true. Um, so, other than the like four control decks, um, I'm trying to remember if any of them are particularly spicy, but I think for the most part, um, I'm I not... think they're kind of the usual suspects. There's like Cyber on a Bant control deck, uh, the Uses Hard of Zadina, there's Gateways, Dreamsight Villainy Nonsense, or Gren, sorry. Um, yeah. there's, I don't, I'm trying to remember the other two. Yeah, Her, I'm not sure what. I wonder I how Akira counted Hersey's list as control. No, Hersey's list is in, uh, Rug Tempo, actually. Oh, okay. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm oh, sure there's, there's Rubens, Rubens, oh no, Bant Flash is in. I, I think Bant Flash is, is in Tempo. That's probably wrong. Yeah. I think that that's just straight up control, but okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. for, for whatever reason. Maybe Ponza's in there. Um, there's a lot of decks that like you can kind of squint in and call control, but for the most part, they just kind of are what they are. Um, yeah. So the next thing I want to highlight, um, and one of the last things to highlight, is um, the aggro control section. Um, so uh, I guess before that, there's one ramp deck, um, which is Dravos playing the same exact list as they've played for the past uh, couple GPs with mm-hmm. minor changes for various set updates. Um, but the last big category, um, and if you combine tempo with control, they're actually a larger part of the meta than combo. Um, yeah. But I think I'd be a little bit silly to do so. We have three people on rogue tempo. Um, my, I decided to run it back um, because I really love the list, and I couldn't exactly decide what to play um, this GP. So I ended up just defaulting to rogue tempo. Um, and Infinity Chef on my same list because it's very much 
their style of deck. And then Hersey, whose deck I really want to highlight <laughs> in this video. Um, you may have heard me comment earlier. Um, Hersey's deck is called Tropic Thunder, and it's very much a bastardization of my list. Um, so for any of you who are familiar with Hersey's deck uh, building style recently, it's a lot of greedy five-color nonsense piles with, you know, some absurd win condition. So I would actually um, say that Hersey's decks are not greedy. Like, this is something that, I, that I've praised Hersey a lot about. Hersey's lists that's often cool. have better mana than <laughs> that's... most three-color decks because they build specific... Like, they specifically choose their cards to make the mana yeah. And that's why, that's why you get Hersey decks that have, like, really weird cards in them. But it, it just yeah. works. Like this, this is something I will not I will never stop praising Hersey for, I think. Because like I didn't really understand it until I until I played against them a couple times in in GPs, um, and like I played their decks uh for goldfish testing. And like I think I think Hersey's decks actually like there there's definitely a bit of mad genius in them. Um maybe not in the same like JN style mad genius, but like it's 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 very much like Hersey playing to their own strengths when it comes to deck building, um, and I, I, will, I will always admire that. Um, so Hersey's list, Hersey took a perfectly good rug tempo, like super <laughs> low to ground list, um, and said, "Get this, get this cosmic sinkhole garbage out of here. Get all get all these like proactive threats out of here," and shoved two copies of Thunder Road in the list. Um, <laughs> It's like, you know what this deck needs? It needs a spirit script package to back it up. So threw in four copies of Unceasing Flame, four copies of Seacash, four copies of Spirit Script. And the deck's beautiful like a train wreck. Um, I'm I definitely have stared at this deck a while and like Hersey mentioned prior to this GP, they were like, Oh, I've been tuning your rug flash list. I was like, oh my god, could you send me a list? Like, I'd, I'd love to see your version. I'd be glad to play it for this GP. Everybody sent it to me, and just, like, my eyes glazed over as I looked at the cards involved. See, like, I think this is a... I think this is an interesting deck. I have no idea how it would play. I'd have to play it. But I think calling it a tuned version of your list is very much misleading. <laughs> like, it's, it's a very different deck. And that's okay. But, like, it's a very different deck. It has the core of four cane dancer, um, four bounty of the gardens. That's kind of where the similarity ends, but it has yeah, that. Much. It's got it's. Uh, I think the diffuse is interesting um, because it is cane dancerable. Diffuse is a pretty powerful card. Um, Rune snag yeah. is a good magic card. Yeah. Uh, Rune snag with spirit script is actually nuts. I've cast mm -hmm. diffuses where it's like pay twelve mana, um, which is not <laughs> something you usually get, but it's really yeah. fun when you do. I mean. You've yeah, uh, unceasing flames as well, so that also yeah. uh, makes the spirit scripts more valuable. Um, and some cash, like the deck, the deck yeah. uses uh, spirit script really effectively, especially because you can discard echoing knowledge to spirit script. Um, yeah, I, that I we don't have echoing to knowledge. Of it. Echoing knowledge definitely seems like a Hersey TM card, where like pretty yeah. much only Hersey is ever going to register it. But the I, the cool I thing about echoing enough to like to know yeah. when. Like that, that they know that they know when it's like the correct conclusion, you know. So, for those of you playing along at home who don't know the MSEM staple echoing knowledge, it's one blue <laughs> for a sorcery with draw a card, and it also has reprise too, where reprises as you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you can exile one card with reprise from your graveyard and pay its reprise cost. If you do, add its effects to the spell. So, what echoing knowledge allows you to do, and why it's in this deck, is it allows you to pay Wooberg. For Thunder Road on its own. So Thunder Road can self-enable if mm -hmm. you have an echoing knowledge in your graveyard. In addition to that, it'll add the draw card mode to Thunder Road. So you end up drawing three cards in addition oh, to fucking on three lightning helixes. I did not even think about that. That is Yeah. <laughs> that is actually Man, if this card was an instant, <laughs> that, 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 that would be stone cold nuts. Yeah. Uh, and like as a sorcery, you can still discard it to Seacat. Oh, sorry, to Spirit Script. Yeah. Um. So it's definitely not bad. Um. The main the main weakness I would say of this Hersey build, I the deck also kept in the Lumbering Hillock, which I think is really fun. Oh, that's um, cool. Uh, I'm sure it's cool. gonna win them games. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, like, I guess they have, have how many ways to fetch it? Four. There are four plans that can get that can get Hillock. Yeah, that's it. Oh, geez. Okay, that that is a little bit dubious. <laughs> that seems <laughs> trouble. <laughs> um, but it's basically a tap to colorless land. <laughs> so yeah, one thing that is noticeable about this deck compared to the Rogue Flash list is this deck cut uh, Cosmic Sinkhole, and it cut all the one-man interaction. Yeah, um, I mean, so it's very much, it's, it's a control deck. It's not a tempo deck. That's why I would say. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I think this is a mischaracterization. And it did uh, cost Hersey in the matchup version. Um, but I think, yeah. I think versus a lot of aggro decks, this deck can do some truly degenerate shit. Like, I don't think oh, you yeah. ever recover from an augmented Thunder Road. Like, not just like, in a game, you obviously lose, but like as a player, I don't think you usually recover. Um, I've had augmented Thunder Road cast against me in game and still won. That's um, that's cheating, and I'm going to report you for that. Oh wait, no. Okay, no. What happened was that my opponent couldn't cast it for augmented because. Oh okay, then yes. It was it was the it was the Pithwold story. Oh, it was the Pithwold story. Yeah, yeah classic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So are we like are we just gonna how many how many decks are we gonna highlight basically? Um, let's go ahead and uh, let's each pick two decks. So okay. you go ahead and pick your first list. Um, so this can, uh, uh, yeah. So the deck I want to talk about right now is um, insert names shops deck. Um, mm. This is a so this is an archetype that was really popular um, only like two or three months ago. But kind of fell off the map after a couple of its key pieces were nerfed. Um, namely, Wilted Lotus and Glistening Chalice were like very deservedly nerfed. Um, so this is this is still playing those cards, um, like in their nerf versions. They're definitely not useless. Um, but the deck also has a lot of interesting new innovations. One thing that I want to point out is it's running Rustel Crustacean, aka Mr. Krabs from Elmari as well as um, three copies of Dawson's Loot. as kind of just like a one-mana cantrip artifact. Um, so that helps get your Kelthrust workshop uh, online. It's also got four possibility scope, which is a way to basically, for two mana, um, like tutor up your Kelthrust workshop. Um, it also can function as like grabbing a Sunrise Orchard, um, which can untap your Kelthrust workshop or your Eternal Reactor if they're already in play. Eternal Reactor is a great combo with Sunrise Orchard. It's also got four Skylight Fortress, which is a card that I think has been pretty criminally underplayed um, in this uh, in this format, and I think like this is a great place to run it. Um, let's see, there's there's a lot of neat stuff in here. There's also like a couple of random one ofs that you can get with Tinkerer's tools. Like there's a Steam Charged Armor, which basically lets you like giga buff one permanent by sacrificing all your artifacts. Uh, it's also got a one of Dragon Lord's Shrine, which I'll be honest, I'm not sure when you want to tutor it. Like, maybe if you really want to grind. Um, but besides that, I'm not sure. But I, I do think this list is just really sweet. Um, and it's nice that, like, I, I always thought the the shop archetype was nice to have around. Um, and it's nice that there's, like, a, a new form of it um, that exists now. And if it's in certain name, I'm fairly confident in the list, but I'll have to see how it plays. Yeah, this list is definitely making me regret the fact that I don't have access to Rot or Singularity's Grasp, this GP. <laughs> um, I think this deck is probably very solid. Um, it definitely has a couple of those decisions that I don't fully get, but yeah. I more or less put that on myself rather than on the deck. Um, so we, I think the deck that I want to highlight next... Um, Hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of really cool decks this GP, so it's actually really hard to just like pick one of them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know what? Let's talk about Tumbles lists. Sure. So, Tumbles. I think it was a a month or two ago. Uh, it might have only been a month ago. Made the declarative statement after playing a league that he was fairly certain that any single deck in this format that wasn't playing Dream Sight deck, uh, Dream Sight well was built incorrectly. Um, <laughs> which is a very bold statement. For those of you who don't know Dream Sight well, 
Dreamsight Well is one and a green-blue hybrid. For sorcery, shuffle up to five cards you own from outside the game into your library. Then if your library contains at least 40 cards more than the minimum deck size, draw five cards. So, holy shit, it's two mana, draw five cards. Um, but there is a kind of asterisk there. <laughs> so, mostly what Dreamsight has seen play in is uh, control decks that can be highly redundant and can also afford to run a bunch of tutors. Um, so you have, you kind of effectively stack your deck with tutors such that you always draw a dream site well in the first, like, uh, 10 to 15 cards of your library. Um, and if you as a control deck ever result a draw five, you're probably going to win that game. Um, so tumbles isn't indexing on the same number of tutors is running a one of, um, ancestral council. Although the deck isn't great at actually casting Ancestral Council. It's fine, but it's definitely not great. Um, and it's running four Ayala's Conqueror to find the Ancestral Council to find the Dream Say Well. But otherwise, it kind of looks like this deck is just trying to naturally draw um, Dream Say Well. And the, the draw to this deck is you're an aggro deck. So you get to play this kind of incredibly redundant game plan. I.e. you're just going to curve creatures into creatures into creatures. And if you ever do draw a dream site, well, you probably kill your opponent. Um, because if an aggro deck draws five cards, you can't out uh, trade them anymore. So you need to figure out a way to race them and realistically no work. Yeah. I'm, I think there's, there's some interesting deck building decisions that are going on here. Um, and I think it's a very cool experiment, but I, I'm also not entirely sold on the details of the logic beyond that. I think my main issue is um, choosing the mono green shell, because it feels mm-hmm. like mono green aggro is very much like a synergy-oriented aggro deck. Like The reason why counters was so good was because the combination of various cards was very much more than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like when you dilute your deck with all these one-ofs, like there's, there's like one of Sarah of Copper Cove and one of Behemoth Channeler and one of Great Sable Stag, you know, like all these yeah. one-ofs, like it feels like you're actually going to be a lot more susceptible to sevens that basically do nothing, uh, or that fold like paper to removal, um, than like, you know, your, your like hyper-focused, uh, Green X counter stack. And I think this is something that I've had kind of an issue with Tumbles List in the past, is like, where Tumbles is like, Disseminate's broken, I'm slashing for Disseminate in my mono green deck. And it's like, well, no. Like, it's, it doesn't, it, it, it dilutes your plan. That's, that's just how I feel about it. Um, so yeah, I can't, I can't say I'm, I'm stoked about this list. Um, happy to be proven wrong. And I'm sure there are going to be games where you get an early dream site well, and you just like, stomp over your opponent, or you get, um, one for one into oblivion, then you top deck dreams like well, and you're like, sweet. Uh, I'm back in it, right? And those those games probably feel good to have. But in general, I'm I feel like a better shell could have been chosen that was less synergy reliant. That's kind the of the other fair. reason. I, the other reason I picked this deck is um, you have fallen to the classic blunder of uh, we were playing rock paper scissors secretly, and you picked first um, because tumbles actually two owed insert name in the round one of this GP. <laughs> Oh, sweet. All right. Well, there you go. Um, I expect I expect Ayala's Conquered for, like, Charming Marauder is pretty good. Yeah. Um, I also think that uh, Insert Name's deck doesn't play to the board particularly well in the early yeah. game, so the circumstance where Tumbles does get to curve out is just going to end the game. That's true. Um, it's true. Also, Tumbles and Cyber are playing soon, so we'll get to see how Tumbles' deck fares against the one-for-one one removal pile. Cool. Um, yeah. Um, so the second deck I want to highlight is uh, Giant Eyed Poets. Um, it's called Egg, Fish, and Chicken. Um, it's basically a Phoenix deck, but it runs a uh, Elmari card, Mina Jeweled Minnow. So if you're not familiar with Mina, um, she's a 1-mana one 1-1 one, uh, legendary enchantment creature, Fish. So lovely type line. Um, it has Flash, and... Every turn, you can cast the first spell um, that's an instant enchantment or sorcery spell. Um, if it has converted mana cost one, you can cast it for free. So basically, the idea is turn one, you pass your opponent, you cast me not end step. 
you untap. Now you're you're casting a one drop for free along with your two drop on your opponent's turn. You can cast a one uh, one minute instant for free and just kind of bury your opponent in advantages that way. Um, and it's playing it's it's being played in a, in a Phoenix's deck, so um, it's got tons of one mana stuff. Naturally goes well with Plaxolotl Piari. Um, you've also got Mugga Firebird and Whispers Phoenix to kind of go along with that. And the deck has some pretty disgusting looking openers from what I've seen. Um, it's a kind of deck that I would actually love to try out. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited to see how she does. Um, hopefully, hopefully it'll do well. Um, so the last deck I want to highlight is, um, is a deck that I don't think really needs an introduction, but I'm giving it one anyway. I want to talk about Thum. Um, oh yeah. And mostly because it segues us into an important conversation. Um, so Plipster and, um, I know Chillbrain and I think one other person, there are three uh, Thum deck. pilots. Deck. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, three different people are on Thum this GP. If you're not familiar with Thum, um, Thum is a mechanic from the set uh, Skyrim World at War, and it's affinity for dragons in play and dragons in graveyard. And it also says, if this card isn't a dragon, it's a dragon. Um, <laughs> and the Thum deck is kind of this mid-rangey deck that's trying to mill itself, get a bunch of dragons in graveyard, and then cast dragons for cheap or even free. Um, it can have tr games where it goes turn two, three or four Dwemer Maid Dovas into play, um, or Profane Emissary, or just a bunch of removal. Um, and it's a deck that's been kind of a mainstay of MSEM for the past several months. Uh, Plipster's basically been jamming it uh, since the Ninja's deck that he was playing was killed, um, and has gotten very close to winning a GP multiple times with it. Um, got second place in one, I think got and then missed top eight in the following one, I believe. Yeah, um, it was my it was my opponent for the Grand Prix. Um, yeah, it was it was a pretty close series there. So, uh, it's and we've seen, yeah. Uh, what, what were we gonna ask? I was just gonna say the other thing is we've seen a lot of different people play it before. Like Gateways has played it before. Three different people are on it. This JP, like, yeah, it is it's not a one uh, one player one trick thing well, like new players new players are often drawn to it too because they're like dragons i want to play some dragons like the next the next a very timmy deck in that kind of way because you get to cast like huge spells you still get to have answers so you don't just like you're not solely focusing on this one thing mm -hmm. um and like it's very simple what you want to do like it's not it's not complex or anything dragons in graveyard good casting spells good i play my dragons i get more thune it's all you like. You just the people who love the deck really love the deck, um, yeah. and the people who hate the deck usually really hate the deck. <laughs> uh, I am. I don't. I don't particularly like Thum. Um, I was one of the first people to yeah. brew with the mechanic, largely because I really loved the um, the dig through time with Thum. Um, which turned out to be one of the worst cards with Thum and has been since abandoned in every single Thum deck, more or less. No, it's, um, it's being played again. Forgotten Knowledge? It's being played. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Plipster is off it makes me suspect that it's definitely not the right place to be. Um, mm -hmm. I know I know. Ren ran it last GP when they played Thum. Yeah. Um, um, and Dak's on it this GP. So yeah. it's people are playing it, but it definitely wasn't the draw to the deck. Yeah. Um, and I believe Lit Moon's first GP... Um, he was playing a theme, a blue red theme list I brewed for him. Oh, so, right, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it definitely, the deck has a history and a lot of different things that people have done with it. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But uh, I yeah. also have oh, been sorry. a pretty vocal. Sorry, I've been a pretty vocal opponent of Dwemer Made Dova as a card. Um, because <laughs> I think the uh, multiple Dwemer Made Dova starts are incredibly offensive. Um, and I don't really think there's a good excuse to them. See, uh, my main my main issue with Thum is that it's just so boring to me. Like, yeah, I really it's like mechanics that are like play all of me. All of the put all of the cards with X mechanic in your deck, and that's just the best way to build your deck. Like, I I strongly dislike that kind of thing. Um. So like, and and this is this is kind of that turned up to eleven more or less because like 
you need a certain percentage of your deck to be Thum, or your deck just doesn't function. <laughs> you know, so like, um, that's kind of that's kind of my issue with it. Um, I don't, I don't, I think I think the only like offensive card in the deck gameplay wise is uh, is Dormade Dova, but like, yeah, I, I still don't really like the idea of the, of the archetype personally. So the other reason we chose to highlight, or I chose to highlight this deck is um, this this deck is having its uh, last GP this month. Um, and if you are playing MSEM right now, you've definitely heard about this. Um, if you aren't and you're listening to this podcast, I kind of question why you listen to this podcast, but <laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe you're in the future and listening to it. Um, but the designer of Skyrim World at War and several other sets in MSEM, um, Zoltan Postmodern, sorry, Zoltan Premodern, Postmodern is the other one, um, uh, Langor, Scorch Sands, Fatesnia, uh, the, the Golden Era, and um, there's one I always forget. Wait, I'm blanking on it too. XPM, TGE, Langor, World at War. There's a fifth one. Oh, uh, Death of Yukisma. Yeah, Death of Yukisma, which is actually probably one of the better sets of those. Um, the creator of them, uh, Honchko David, has asked to remove his cards from MSEM, um, which definitely has been a mixed bag. Uh, on the one hand, there are several cards in it that. Um, have been long-term balance issues, but I think as a whole, the player base is definitely mourning because this is a more fundamental shift to MSEM than we've ever experienced before because it's like five five sets leaving the format is definitely joining the format. Um, yeah. Someone it's, ran the calculations. Or it's like 12%. Yeah, 11%. Um, yeah. So 11% the format leaving all of a sudden is uh, definitely shocking. Um, and... The council is putting together a kind of surprise replacement set called New Horizons, um, which I'm very excited for, and I think yeah, will kind yeah. of fill the hole that is being left. Um, but so I, think... I actually want to, I want to, like, yeah, I think that it, it shouldn't be viewed as filling the hole. I really think that, like, yes, we we made some effort to pick some cards that can fulfill some similar roles as like the most high-profile cards that we're leaving. Um, but also, like, the format's already pretty deep. People are going to find other tools to fill um, those slots, regardless of whether or not we gave you new replacements. And New Horizons has a lot of just really cool cards in it um, that we're excited to play with, and we're excited to have, you know, um, added to the format. So, like, I think I, I personally want to view it as, like, hey, we're getting some cool new toys. Like, yeah. Um, it, I wouldn't say it, I, like the purpose is not just to fill holes. I definitely agree with that, and I think yeah. I th I think the original goal of the of the set was really not as much to fill holes as it was to um, to basically remind players that MSEM isn't going away, that MSEM is incredibly exciting still, and to kind of offset the um, the frustration that a lot of people might feel from losing some of their uh, toys with a sudden injection of new cards. Um, yeah, that's a good way to put it. But the narrative definitely has shifted, and I think it's really good of you to make sure to correct it. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think it is important to think about because um, this is MSEM's largest GP so far, 52 people. Mm -hmm. um, this is literally 10 times the size of the GP we were having last April, uh, which was... What was it, like five players? It was five players. It was the first GP that I didn't play in in two years of MSEM, because it was the wow. first one after I quit the format. Um, That's crazy. And I, I only stayed gone for like three months, uh, partially because of uh, COVID stuff, and also because um, Ikari came out and I stopped playing Legacy. Um, but... <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, <laughs> it's insane to think of how far we've come in yeah. these past 12 months, and um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if this is the biggest GP that we get for a bit. Um, yeah. But I am incredibly happy with MSEM. And I think, you know, it's important to remember both the kind of bittersweetness of this being the last GP for this set mm -hmm. um, and these sets, and also just the celebration of how big MSEM is. Um, yeah. It's going to be interesting to look back on. Um, yeah. Uh, is it worth mentioning that we're also doing um, a larger than usual balance patch uh, next month? Yeah. 
Um, so I guess I didn't leave for three months. It was closer to huh. I'm trying to remember the exact time. I think I think the last April wasn't the last. I think I had stopped playing GPs for at least two GPs before then. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Um, April you guys was involved in last year's May Madness. Is that the is yeah? The that's that's the thing that I'm thinking through. Uh, because I remember April. It was either towards. I think it was towards the end of February that we started talking about fixing the format, and then basically throughout April, um, I listed off all of my issues of the format and all the issues um, anyone I had talked to had with the format. And we all, the council just kind of built on that energy and really just figured out a huge list of over 50 something cards. I think it was closer to 80 um, that we were changing in some way. And some of those were really minor fixes. Let's slap one life uh, onto Prying and Quarry. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those were more major shifts. Um, there were also a bunch of cards that got banned. There were some cards that got reworked. Um, the prophecy mechanic changed again. Um, <laughs> so it was it was kind of an overhaul of the format. You know, um, when I read when I went and read through those uh, those patch notes, I was like, the card that stuck out to me. I was like, Glimmer used to be one mana. Yeah. Oh, the and things Gyre- I would have done with that. And Gyrian oh. smuggling used to be one mana. Um, oh. Arcane Bullets didn't used to exile. The, it didn't used to give the card flashback. It just recurred it. Oh, so I got up to some nonsense with that. I, um, that. <laughs> I think that was one of the Intrepid balance patches. I think that's when Intrepid lost Vigilance. I think it's, I think it's when it lost Vigilance. It may have been when it became a four. Oh, okay. I can't remember which of those two. But... Yeah. Um, so the we decided to kind of keep that tradition going and this April we've and a little bit last month before we've actually spent a bunch of time figuring out all the cards that we want to change about the format and brainstorming potential fixes, talking to designers. Um so we're hoping to drop a huge balance patch, a bunch of uh new cards to play around with. Um some sets will be leaving the format. So definitely expect a long patch note breakdown at some point. Yeah, the next GP is going to be substantially different uh, than this one. I think. And uh, next month we'll also have Team Unified constructed. So get hyped. Draft Dodgers um, defending their championship. So anyway, uh, thank you everyone who stayed through the entire episode. Realize it meandered a little bit towards the end, so we stopped talking about the GP a little bit. Um, <laughs> but this GP is stacked and also really exciting. Um, if you aren't playing MCM, again, why are you listening to this podcast? But come play MSEM. Um, there's a lot more uh, decks to be explored. There's a lot of cool strategies to iterate on. Um, and the gameplay is great. So uh, thank you all for listening. Um, and I think that's us here signing off. Sweet. See ya.